Sometimes working on changes that we want to make in our personal lives leads us to realize that we might also want to make a career change. And any career change is really going to be a life change. So I don't know how we've gone three whole years on this podcast without ever talking about career change in a more direct way. And today we're going to fix that. But even if you're not necessarily looking for a new job right now, this conversation is highly relevant to anyone who's trying to create positive change and to live a life of greater purpose and meaning. All right. All right, everyone, take your seats or lace up your sneaks. We're about to get started. Welcome to the Change Academy podcast. I'm your host, Monica Reinagel, and in this show, we talk about what it takes to create healthier mindsets and habits in our own lives, as well as how we can create healthier communities and workplaces. Whether you're working on your own health and well-being or promoting healthy behaviors is your job, we're going to talk about what works, what's hard, what's needed, and what's next. Let's jump in. Hey there, I am so excited to introduce you to Dr. Elizabeth Campbell today, better known to her clients and her students as Dr. Bethy. She is a clinical psychologist, a marriage and family therapist, and she has special expertise and certification in career development and counseling. I first met Bethy last year when she reached out to ask if I would provide a blurb for her second book, which is a career planning workbook called 101 Career Myths Debunked. Turns out she was a Change Academy listener herself, and she thought, based on what she'd heard on this podcast, that we would appreciate her approach, and she was 100% right. This book is what I hope that the Change Academy also is, namely big-hearted, insight-driven, and action-oriented, or more specifically, micro-action-oriented. Since then, Bethy and I have gotten to be friends, and in the many conversations we've had, it's been so striking how much resonance and overlap there is between the approach that we take here toward working on behavior change and personal development and her approach to career development. Career planning isn't something that we do just once, you know, maybe when we're in college. It really is something that we end up doing, whether by choice or not, continually throughout our lives. And even without changing what we do or where we're doing it, we can make profound shifts in our orientation to that work. Now, if you are contemplating a career shift, you definitely want to get a hold of Bethy's book. And she's even curated a playlist of Change Academy podcast episodes specifically chosen to support people who are thinking about career change. And we'll have links to both of those in the show notes for today. But right now, let me bring Bethy in, and then I'll be back afterwards with some closing thoughts. Welcome to the Change Academy, Bethy. Thank you. It's so great to be here. You are actually making a bit or a lot of a career pivot yourself, leaving your academic post after quite a while and sort of venturing into new territory. So maybe we could start by you telling us how you prepared yourself to make that change. I guess I'm particularly curious to know the extent to which you followed your own advice. Yeah, change was unexpected for me, actually. Um, so I have spent the last 12 years as a full-time university professor and part-time private practice career counselor. And I love my work. I love researching, teaching, and counseling for career and then also helping skills. But the opportunity to 
walk alongside people as they navigate that journey has been just incredibly rewarding. But I wanted to help more people. So I set out to write this self-paced career workbook so that people could go through that process mm-hmm. on their own while still getting some support. And in researching the book and then writing the workbook and, and testing out the exercises on myself, that's really what inspired me to make a change. I hadn't expected that that would happen, but I I just was uh, fascinated by what I learned about myself. and And that's really the advice that I give my clients and my students. And that's where I started is learning about myself, really getting to know who am I today and what lights me up? What is my purpose? And I discovered that I really want to help more people outside the university setting. Also, it has had the extra impact of giving me so much more empathy for the people that I work with. Oh, that's interesting. I'm known for being pretty fuzzy bunny and empathic, but to actually go through the process myself, it's illuminating, it's humbling um, to know firsthand how challenging it is and how much courage it takes has been really, really helpful. And also to be able to say firsthand, it is so worth it. And it's so incredibly rewarding to do. Oh, that's, that is a powerful statement to be able to make. And I can only imagine the courage it must take to step away from an academic career. I'm guessing that when you started that career, you imagined retiring from that career, you know, 40 years later, 50 years later, and not doing that for a little over a decade and then making such a big shift. Did the other people in your life, your maybe your faculty colleagues, did, do they think you're nuts? <laughs> a little bit, I think, for sure. <laughs> it, it's weird um, being in the academic world and then also entrenched in the career counseling world. Today's world of careers is so dynamic and so exciting. The average person changes careers every three to five years. Yeah. Not just jobs, but careers. Yeah. Wow. I mean, so much turnover and change. And some of that is not by choice. Right. There's there's a, a lot of challenges that people face, um, layoffs and financial needs, changing family dynamics. But a lot of that is also by choice. So here we have this dynamic that that is so changing. And then we have the world of academia, which is this weird industry that people tend not to leave. Right. So with one foot in each of those camps, you're right, Monica, it it was, it's highly unusual to step away from a tenure track full professorship. And yet it was so important. And we're seeing more and more people in academia do that, that, but still it is odd. And this, this was a compelling piece of research for me in my decision process. When we look at job satisfaction, it drops significantly after 10 years. Yeah, that surprised me when you shared that stat with me. Right? Staying in a career for um, 10 years plus, it takes some active work and effort to make sure that job satisfaction is high. Hmm. And why do we care about job satisfaction? Well, it's really, really important to our well-being. This was also fascinating to me that job satisfaction is a huge predictor of life expectancy. 
It is a better predictor of life expectancy than tobacco use or even a doctor's evaluation of physical functioning. This is something we should be looking at. That's extraordinary. As you've said, there is so much more churn and evolution and change throughout people's professional lives than there used to be a few generations back. And that means that people are now navigating this sort of scary territory you know, kind of throughout the arc of their entire adult life. So we've talked, you and I have talked that people are making more career switches in mid-career because they decide they want to do something differently or it is not their choice, but they have to make a a switch. Or uh, people are reaching the sort of natural end of their main career, but because we live so much longer in retirement than we used to. Many people are now looking for a way to launch a new career in, I don't know what we call that sort of semi-retirement, you know, the the second act, the third act or something, looking for, for new sources of fulfillment and income, only to say that I think that this is something that virtually everyone listening to this podcast has navigated through, will continue to navigate through no matter how old they are. Yes. I love this idea of uh, midlife being the second act and later adulthood being the third act. And these are Mm -hmm. times of transition where we can learn about ourselves and evaluate how we want to continue to contribute to the world in meaningful ways because career is such an important part of our lives yeah. and and it's so integrated you know i'm i'm reminded of your series on on the tune up the 50,000 mile tune up yeah yes i love this idea of exploring who we are in terms of career as a regular tune up activity mm-hmm. finding out about ourselves and and where we find our purpose And then checking to see how that's aligning with our current roles. So I define career very broadly. I don't think it's just paid work. I think it's all of the roles that we occupy throughout our lives where we're working and contributing to the the world. And so, I mean, even in that way, when we think of housework, Mm. that's part of our career life. And so looking at all all the roles you occupy, all the ways that you contribute to the world, and then looking at who am I, what is my purpose, and how am I living out that, that purpose in all the roles that I'm currently engaging in? And, and is that lining up with my purpose? And we talk about this idea of we, you know, in, in these acts, we reinvent ourselves and do a career switch. And I don't think it's that at all. I think instead it's we get in tune with who are we today, and then we can realign our roles to match ourselves rather than changing ourselves to match these outside roles. I love that broader definition of career, all the work that we do, all the roles that we play, but so much resonance between that work and themes that we discuss over and over here on the Change Academy. And one of the ones that came to mind for me, and you've just touched on it, is that relationship between behavior change and identity. And I'm thinking in particular about episode number 51, where we talk about habits and identity. But basically, we've explored this idea that changing our habits or behaviors often involves really developing or strengthening a new identity for ourselves, like developing 
an identity as being someone who does this new thing and that the degree to which we involve identity change and development in behavior change to that degree you know those changes in behavior are likely to be much more durable so that that connection between how we conceive of ourselves and what we do seems really important in both worlds. Listeners, if you, if you take nothing else away from today, please let it be this. If you are considering a career switch, start by learning about yourself. Mm. So many people, when they're considering this, they jump straight into the world of work and just start haphazardly looking for things. And that is a recipe for overwhelm and a lot of fear. And it doesn't need to be like that. Interestingly, um, most of us say that we know ourselves pretty well, but our identity tends to live about five years in the past. Hmm. So when we say, I know myself, we know who we were five years ago. Given the fact that it's 2023, all of us have been through significant life issues, changes, transitions in the past five years. I think all of us are due for some time to get acquainted with who we are today. So, so as you talk about, I am a person who really looking when we learn about ourselves, looking at meaning and purpose or values, I am someone who, what is important to us? What lights us up? So for me, I'm a person who loves to help people who are suffering and who are stuck to get unstuck toward a fulfilling life. For others, it might be, I'm a person who adds more art and beauty to the world. Mm -hmm. I like to organize the world or what, whatever it is for you, but it's yeah. important that we know that and start with that. That's a fascinating insight that so much of our identity is in the past, that we're not always completely living in a current version of our identity. And when we're contemplating a career change or any kind of life pivot, you know, not only do we need to get in touch with who we are today, but we're really thinking about who we want to become in the in the future. But you mentioned values and we have talked so much about values on the Change Academy podcast and we encourage people to really interrogate what they value, what is important to them as a precursor to making big decisions or making commitments to something. And again, I'm thinking of you mentioned the 50,000 mile tune up and the second in that series on navigation was really a values orientation exercise. And we've also talked a lot about making sure that our actions are aligned with those values. There's an episode called Aligned Action, episode number 33, just to check and make sure that what we are doing on a day-to-day -day basis is actually lined up with those big values that we've, that we've articulated. But as we're talking about this, Bethy, it occurs to me that that puts a lot of pressure on this situation, right? Values are, is a big, heavy concept. We want to feel like we have the right values. We want to make sure that we've accurately discovered our true values. I'm feeling tense just, just saying this. You know, it's we run the risk, I guess, of putting a lot of undue pressure on ourselves when we are focused on this values question. So my question for you, and maybe this has come up for you in your work with clients is how can we hold that all important values exploration a little bit more lightly and flexibly so that it doesn't paralyze us? In working with clients, 
this is where they're coming from so often is uh, they're scared. They're really scared. Mm. And then asking these big questions, so often the answer is, I don't know. You know, asking, what is it that you value or what is their, what is your purpose? They oftentimes have no idea. And added on top of that, especially if they've faced some trauma, adverse experiences, they've been out of the work world for a while, maybe their confidence is low. They might be dealing with depression and anxiety, burnout, all things that is going to make it very difficult for them to discern their true self. They may be seeing themselves through a distorted lens Mm -hmm. of depression and anxiety. And so I, I think just us acknowledging those questions are tough questions and especially hard questions to answer alone and unguided mm-hmm. can be particularly hard. And also that we don't just answer them once and, and maybe that can help take some of that pressure off. You know, I often talk about behavior change as being an ongoing relationship with a set of tools and maybe we could extend that to this idea of discovering and then aligning our lives with our values, that that's an ongoing conversation that we're having with ourselves. It's not a test that we, it's not the SAT, the the VAT, the values aptitude test, where we get a score that then follows us around for the rest of our lives. It is an ongoing conversation that we can be having with ourselves, course correcting, adjusting, maybe setting new destinations. But for me anyway, thinking of this challenge of identifying my values and then choosing a course which expresses those values feels less overwhelming and less fraught if I view that as an ongoing process as opposed to a closed-ended thing. So agreed. And I would add on to that, uh, Monica, you know how much I love acronyms. Yes. uh, (laughs) They frequently show up in my books. Yes, you are the queen of the... (laughs) The mnemonic acronym. So have you got one for us? Oh, of course. Truth be told, um, I have a, I I really struggle with memory. And so um, I use a lot of mnemonic devices. So now it's just become a regular part of my life that acronyms occur to me. So So what's um, coming to mind? So with, uh, with this, I think that, um, you know, when these fears come up, fear, we can see as an acronym, which um, stands for false expectations about risk. False expectations about risk. So over overestimating just how risky the next step is. Exactly. Yes. Emphasis on the false. So questioning, might there be a career myth involved in this that is adding to the fear? But what what typically happens with the career development process is we can get distorted thinking of all or nothing, where um, either I'm um, considering a a career switch or I'm just jumping in and completely committing to a new direction. There we're doing all or nothing thinking and, and not recognizing that this isn't a single step or a single decision point, but actually a series, a whole process, like you were saying, of very small decision steps, action steps that we take along along the way to test things out. Once again, the Change Academy guides us really well in this, in the fact that you have lab experiments, small mm-hmm. action steps to try, which is the same that I do with my with my workbook of 
having um, 101 um, small action steps that in culmination lead to a big change. But each one, we gather information, we experiment, we learn more as we go. And all of these are, are small and, and can be done and undone leading up to the process, which again, makes it feel much less scary. Absolutely. And it lowers the stakes in, in, in a way. I had to laugh. You gave a, a great example in one of our conversations last week where you were saying people feel like they have to, you know, go get a new degree in order to pursue a new career path. And you were saying like, oh, how about you volunteer for a day and see if you like it? <laughs> so that would be one of those distortions, those cognitive distortions that can really hang us up here. And these are the same things that we struggle with. Even if you are perfectly happy in your career, your the roles that you are currently playing, you're not considering a change in that. These are still the same distortions that hang us up in other areas of our life. The all or nothing thinking or the the catastrophizing of the, you know, the perils of the wrong choice. I love that acronym, the the false expectation of risk, exaggerating the amount of risk we need to take in order to just take the next step towards gathering some information or doing an experiment. I, I think once we start to adopt some of these, see, see the process, see the shades of gray in there, mm -hmm. um, the process becomes much less daunting. And what's really cool is that then when we start to engage in this process, like my clients will have a vision of kind of how a career switch will take place. And, and they do kind of view, okay, at some point there's going to be this, this giant leap. And, and, and there may be points where, where it feels like some steps are bigger than others. But what's cool is so often when they start to engage in a lot of these little steps, like for example, doing some informational interview interviews, um, networking, doing single day volunteering or job shadowing. It's amazing what people will, um, will allow you to, to try out when you are in that career switch process at any point in life. Connections are being made. Offers might be handed out. Mm. You might actually get um, more and more opportunities to kind of um, stair step into a switch. And interestingly, this is actually more common how switch ha switches happen rather than that traditional uh, seeing a job posting and applying to the job post posting cold and, and making the switch that way. It reminds me of something that Brock always likes to say, which is action breeds clarity. Mm. And when we are afraid of taking any action for fear, for fear <laughs> of taking the wrong action, nothing happens, no clarity emerges from that. And that these small uh, micro steps that you advocate are a great way to gather information and in that process, gain clarity about new options that may occur as a result. You know, in a way, the work that you do, helping people figure out what their next career is, it's a little like matchmaking, isn't it? helping people find their uh, life partner. And I have a friend, a colleague who is a dating coach. That is her job. But so much of her work is less about helping people identify their perfect other human being and then going to find them, attract them, <laughs> locate them. So much of her work is about figuring out what is going to make you happy? How do you make you happy? And then as a 
as a next step. Now, what would complement that? So just breaking down that myth, in her case, that no other person out there is going to complete you and make your life happy. That's really an inside job. But when you do that inside job, then those complementary unions are more possible. Does that feel like a, a good analogy for parts of this that you do? That certainly does. Yes, that resonates very much. And there's surprisingly a lot of parallels between looking for a career and uh, looking for a mate. So, so yes, and I, I think that that process lines up. The one caveat that I would give is we want to just make sure that we don't extend that too far because there is a career myth lingering in there, which is oftentimes when people are looking for uh, a partner, they're looking for a lifelong partnership. And with the career world, because it is so much more dynamic, that average is about three to five years. We are, uh, we don't want to be looking for, um, to get career married. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> um, more of a career a serial monogamy. <laughs> there we go. Um, well, and that, then also I've heard you say, you know, just like we don't have one soulmate out there in the world, the one and only person that can make us happy, we don't just have one career soulmate that is the only career path that will ever make us happy. It's there's more opportunities for fulfillment out there. Certainly. And and I think that looking at that as as a real opportunity, it, it is it is such a tremendous privilege to be able to choose our career. Um, so many people across the globe don't have that luxury. They never get to ask the question. Mm -hmm. um, Thank you for, for naming that. That's important yeah. for us yeah. to recognize. Yeah. And it is amazing that, that with that too, our lives can be a filled with many different careers and that make up this rich tapestry of different roles that we occupy. To me, that is so exciting. And it fills me up to get to work with clients um, lifelong, to have them return over and over and get to see them through different um, times of their lives, using their gifts in different ways. Oh, that's so interesting. So you have sometimes worked with people on multiple shifts over the course of their working life. Yes. Oh, is, that's fascinating. Isn't it amazing? I, it really, it's just incredible. And that said, with this, this wonderful privilege comes um, a lot of pressure and a, a lot of um, responsibility to choose from the thousands upon thousands mm -hmm. of options. So I also don't want to diminish the challenge there. That being said, we return to this idea, much like dating, of starting with yourself and making sure you know yourself. and what makes you happy and more important when it comes to career <laughs> than uh, making you happy is what makes you feel purposeful. If we try to chase happiness with career or really with any of our life roles, we're most likely going to miss the mark. But instead, if we look for fulfilling our sense of meaning and purpose, that actually will create more satisfaction or happiness and joy, if you will. So looking at um, not just in our paid work, but in all areas of life, what is meaningful to us? And then, yeah, there's going to be tons of career options that would help us to express that. Well, and I'm glad that you uh, mentioned that again, that our careers are not the only outlet for us to 
to find our meaning and our purpose, because that is a lot of pressure to put on a career. Sometimes we don't have a lot of choices and we need to do whatever it is that we need to do in order to keep our household together. And that doesn't mean that your life has to then be devoid of meaning and purpose. We have so many other opportunities, other roles that we play, other titles, other job titles that we hold that can also serve those same goals. I guess really the most important thing is that our career path is not is not antithetical to our meaning and purpose. That's really the only way it could go seriously wrong. Absolutely. Yes. Well said. And here's where too those different life roles can perhaps satisfy uh, different values that we have. So mm. perhaps career is the place where someone is taking care of some of those practical considerations. Maybe, you know, the primary reason why they have that career is because of the income. And then they fill their other roles, their hobby life, family life, leisureite time um, with other things that they value as well. Right. Which that career in some way makes possible. Exactly. Yeah. So tell us about the playlist that you put together for career seekers and how they get this. You know, I was just thrilled and charmed when you told me about this, but tell our listeners about it. Well, um, thank you. Like I, like I said, Monica, I am just such a fan of what you do. And um, the Change Academy podcast has just been such a wonderful addition to our behavior change resources. So thank you for the work that you do. It's something that I frequently recommend to my clients. And the beauty of it is, since it does deal generally with behavior change, I found that listening to the episodes with different aspects of change in mind completely changes the listening experience. And so going back and, and listening to episodes um, with a particular idea of what you want to change in mind can be um, illuminating and, and help give you some steps forward. So with that in mind, for those listeners who are considering a career change, um, I put together a guide of the top 10 Change Academy <laughs> podcast episodes for career change. Well, I love that so much. Bethy, I just want to thank you for this wonderful conversation. Uh, I'm hoping it is going to be the first of many. I do too. Thank you so much, Monica. You can get Dr. Bethy's Change Academy playlist for career change on her website at drbethy.com slash CA career. And I'll also post links to that and the other resources, previous episodes that we mentioned in the show notes. But we're both curious to hear what this conversation may have ignited for you. It may or may not be about changing your main job, but as we said, our career extends well beyond what we might do for a paycheck. Is the work that you do reflective of who you are and what is important to you now? And if not, what might need to shift in order to realign that? What's a micro step that you could take to gather more information? You can share your thoughts with me by email at hello at changeacademypodcast.com or by leaving me a voicemail at changeacademypodcast.com slash voicemail. And thanks so much for listening today. 
All right, thanks everyone. This has been the Change Academy podcast with Monica Reinagel. Our show is produced by me, Brock Armstrong. You'll find links to everything Monica mentioned in today's episode in our show notes, as well as on our website at changeacademypodcast.com, where you can also send us an email or leave us a voicemail. If you're finding this podcast helpful, we hope you'll subscribe, or even better, give our show a rating or review in your favorite podcast app. Or, best of all, share this episode with a friend or colleague you think would enjoy it. Now here's to the changes we choose.